We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. Thanks for listening to The Vale Podcast. If you'd like to help us out, you can simply give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or perhaps your company would like to financially support us. There are now a couple of ways for you to do this. You can buy some advertising sponsorship from as little as $100 per month or you can now make fully tax-deductible donations via Functional Arts. Head to the website to find out more, thevalepodcast.com.au. Welcome to The Vale Podcast. Local people, local news, local stories. Charlie's having an espresso martini. I'm having a wine. Why not? It's Thursday evening. How is your espresso martini? Jeez. Well, one, it's late night. So I thought I need something to keep me up. Well, when I say late night, it's nearly nine o'clock. <laughs> so uh, it's good. It's good. This one's probably not enough vodka, but, you know, whatever. I'm not going to lie. The last thing I expected to see as far as the drink in your hand goes, was an espresso martini. I was thinking maybe a beer, maybe a scotch. Oh, no, you've come through with the goods with an espresso martini. So, well done. (laughs) I opened a bottle of wine. I I picked up a a case of Andrew Peace wines today because I had to go to Swan Hill to get flour, believe it or not, because it's Easter tomorrow and I'm a wog, so I want to make zippoli, and I will. So, uh, I think mum's making them. And she's going to ring us when they're ready, leave them outside, and we can drive past, pick them up. So. Cool. Can I subscribe to those SMS alerts? So I'll just pretend like I've made them and yeah. I'll swing past and grab a plate too. <laughs> so I opened a bottle of this full moon drift because it's a full moon and I thought it would be rude not to. And it is sensational. I was not expecting this. Um, it's an Andrew Peace Wines full moon drift. So there you go. Yeah, nice. So what is it? Is it a Shiraz? Oh, no. The Jerif is the variety. 2018 Jerif. Um, I like an alternative. I'm a bit of a wine yeah. snob. I love an alternative varietal. And this is an alternative yeah. varietal. Oh, God. Oh, let me... Re- is it... Don't even. You're one drinking of those... espresso martini. Don't even. Because <laughs> I'm building them a new website at the moment and I was having a look. Oh, the Sangrentino is an Italian variety. Apparently very good. It's won a few awards. But this one is... Uh, the, ta- the uh, tasting notes say is not your ad- average giraffe. It's an incredibly dark red colour, which it is. Is um, it full body? The nose. I don't quite. What do people mean when they say the nose? Do you know much about wine? No, I know what I like and what I don't like, pretty much. <laughs> You're drinking an espresso much. Yeah, no, it's a it's a squinter or a non-squinter. That's how I got. <laughs> Actually, I can't take. I can't even take credit for that. That's a a juicy, a juicy thing. Is it, is it a squinter or, or not a squinter? Yeah. So, <laughs> what does that exactly mean? So, you know, like you have a drink. Okay. And go, ooh, that's a squinter. With that this one's one, not a squinter. Yeah. I won't tell you the words when I opened it. I won't tell you the words that I said when I had my first taste um, because it's probably not appropriate. But when I react like that, it's, it's good. Oh, good. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Perfect for a late night podcast. Well, again, it's only quarter to nine. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like we've covered that. But we are going to talk to Tony McKay, um, who is in the UK. Now, he got on to us last week after we'd spoken to Bruce. Apparently, they're of the same generation-ish, but they're friends. And he sent the podcast an email through the website saying... um, 
great podcast. I lived in Robinvale, been in the UK for 30 years, but would love to have a chat if you're ever up for it. I'm like, cool, let's work out the time difference. Hence, which is why we're sitting here at quarter to nine, having could a drink. Be worse. Could be like quarter to six in the morning or something like that. Well, this is true. This yeah. is true. So. I thought we'd choose a time that works for everybody. So, yeah. And this seems to work. There hey, you are. That's better. Hey. <laughs> so, so my apologies. That's all right. How that's are right. you, Tony? I'm well, and you? Tremendous. Good, I'm a good. bottle of wine in, so I'm fantastic. <laughs> it, it's too early here. It's midday. No, that's not too early. <laughs> well, you're, you're, in lock, you're in lockdown though, aren't you? We are. We are. Ah. Well, lockdown. We can, we can go to supermarkets and we can go to uh, the chemist. We can go outside for exercise and we can go out outside to meet one other person so yeah. that's kind of much the same uh, as it is at least you can, we're not really supposed to be meeting other people no, but sure things like um uh hairdressers and that are open over there aren't they no they shut them down uh a couple of days ago or oh. last week i think it was so who's your father charlie uh, uh joe I, I now know who all everyone is then uh so how long have you been over there for so i was born in Rombow in 63 um my family were, you know, like yours are, um, fruit blockies. Um, and we, I left Romvale in 1991. Um, I had three years away uh, at Ballarat College of Advanced Education between 80 and 81 and 83. Uh, then came back home, worked for Hancock, Woodward and Hollick. So I know a lot of the, most of the blockies. My family was all born there. Um, I'm related to a lot of people still in Romvale. Um, still call it yeah. still call it home. Um, still come home um, once once a year if I can. Um, my mum, my father's passed now, but my mum lives in Mildura, so we get we get up that way quite often. You haven't haven't lost the accent though. <laughs> uh, no, a lot of people say that. I don't know why that is. So uh, first things first, how are you going with no leadership at the moment? Um, is the country in disarray? Um, I think I think the country is not in disarray about leadership. The country is a bit in disarray in respect of the virus that's currently here. Um, and in fact, during the coronavirus period, we've got one of our sons and his wife and sixteen-month-old baby living. Are you still working as an accountant? In no, I, I'm 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 a commercial property broker. Okay. I'm essentially buying and selling real estate. Uh, in the hotels more than anything in, in both Paris um, and London particularly. Um, and I've done quite a bit of uh, property transactions in Eastern Europe. Nice. So if Sam Compagna sees this, he, he'll, he'll know what I'm talking about because Sammy lives in Poland now. So. Oh, does he? He does. He does. He used to live just behind us. Exactly. That's why yeah. I said that. On the He's our listener in Poland. We have one listener yeah. in Poland and that's him. That, that's it. That, that's huh. it. That's G'day, exactly Sam. There you go. <laughs> So, so he's um, so yeah. So I spent quite a bit of time there. Um, coming back to the UK, is, so so we currently um, have a prime minister who's unwell, and um, we hopefully uh, he gets better soon. The the country um, uh, we lost a thousand people or near enough a thousand people yesterday died, which is very sad because everyone tends to know someone, and if they don't know someone, they know someone that's sick, uh, and you know it, it's not flattening out as yet um and and we've got worrying times ahead but but we're just doing what everyone tells us to do stay at home um we're fortunate that we live in the country so we've got um uh, open fields to go and walk in 
uh, and we just spend the time at home. The only shops over here um, uh, open are typically the chemist and the supermarkets. Um, you can't get a haircut. Um, you, you can't do anything like that. Um, the pubs aren't open. Um, uh, so there's really nothing that much you can do. But, you know, how those we've pumps, just got to... How are those pumps coping with no pubs open? <laughs> well, it's not about... The pumps are coping, but probably okay. The, what they have worked out, it's cheaper buying beer at a supermarket uh, and drinking it uh, at home than drinking it at yeah. a pub. But to be fair, um, you know, the, the pub industry in this country is is really struggled for a long period of time. Um, yeah. Having, well, because there's a pub on every corner. Yeah. It's, it, and it's, it's expensive to drink out. You can't smoke in pubs anymore. It, it's really difficult. Um, and, and it's a difficult industry. Um, and, and there's a lot of them. You know, we come from, I come from a little small town just outside um, London. And, and it's, it's um, at one time, it's only two and a half thousand people. So not, not much bigger than Romvar. Yeah. Um, the township itself, and then we had seven pubs at one stage. So you think, how do those seven pubs survive? And they just what's, can't. So. What's the name of that pub that you see everywhere? They're kind of like a chain. Um, there's lots of them. Weatherspoon. Weatherspoons, yeah. Are they, have you got one of those? We, got, we, ha we have in the next town along, which is a bigger town, um, and we have a Weatherspoons in, in Dorking. Yeah. Are you in Dorking, yeah, so, Tony? So it's, um, yeah. I yeah, lived when I lived in the UK. I lived in Chesington. Ah, uh, did you? You don't live very far from us then, because yeah. Chesington's where the world of adventurers because i'm in dorking which is about another 10 miles on yeah that's right and so i live literally next door to chesington world of adventures yeah so not for, that's not very far from me at all can i just ask what is chesington world of adventures uh, it's a fun park mate. it's like we've got rides on it and animals oh. there it's, it's like a zoo <laughs> so, oh, okay <laughs> We use the, the term fun very very <laughs> loosely nothing start. hey so tony um this is a bit of a conspiracy theory, but uh, did you guys start this corona stuff just to get everyone's mind off Brexit? Uh, the old, um, I wondered if the Brexit question had come up. So for three years, the company, the country was polarised by the discussions about Brexit because half of us voted for and half of us voted against. Um, I was a staunch remainder, although I wasn't pretty public about it because better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Um, and also when you're so close in line, bald decisions, um, ultimately the wrong decisions will be made. Um, in the fullness of time, Brexit um, will have happened fully. Our economy won't change that much. I do feel a bit sorry for British people, typically, because up until um, the, the end of this, at the end of this year, people will not be able to freely go and live in Europe. And bearing in mind, going to France, as we, as we all know, is like going from Victoria to New South Wales. It's mm. not that far. Um, and people can't go and work there, and um, and we have um, we have a lot of friends in France. I, I do quite a business in France. Um, Rombard's home home sister hometown is in France, um, and and you know it's 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 quite sad that people won't be able to to do that freely. Whether that can ends up how it is, I'm not sure. I think that now that uh, the prime minister has a significant majority a lot of the people that were problem mps during the brexit process who wanted to be have complete cut from europe i think a lot of those plans will now go out the door because he can now decide with the strength of the majority that he has it's a very complex issue though isn't it the whole brexit from the outside it is without being there you know we only get headlines and you get little tidbits and sound bites so it's it, hard it to difficult. kind of dissect it. So it, it is very, very complicated. It is. It's, and, it, and, it, and it's expensive to be in and it's expensive to be out. 
Um, and, and I expect that when we're all over and done, if we could get back control, if basically the British people want control of their borders, they're not too bothered about you know the laws and all that sort of thing because the laws in Europe are essentially the same as the laws in UK. But the fact that they had open borders uh, and they perceived lots of people coming in and um, taking jobs that they could have had themselves um, is is the. Th- is was probably the main issue that they saw Eastern Europeans and lots of other people coming over to take jobs, which people in this country could have, in theory, done. Whether they would have done them or not, you know, as we all know, uh, you know, with uh, a lot of people who migrate, they migrate for a reason. It's because they can get money and send it home, which is most of what uh, Eastern Europeans did. I worked with a lot of Eastern Europeans when I was there, and they were great people and very hardworking. So uh, they're, they're grafters. They're grafters. So, Tony, you're actually friends with my father-in-law, Ron. Yeah, yeah, and his brothers. So I was, um, I was captain of the Rombard Golf Club at the same time, I think, that Frank Benham was uh, president uh, in, in the 80s. Um, and I spent a lot of time at the golf club. Um, I played golf. I knew all of the Benham boys. And I had a lot to do with your second cousin. Is he your cousin or second cousin? So Frank's oldest son. And, and they were both avid golfers as well. And then, um, and then of course, um, your father-in-law played and Ray played. So there was lots of contacts with the Benham family. Mm. And, and, of course, they were an old stalwart Robvale Euston family, of course, because, like my family, they'd lived there most of their lives or all of their lives. Mm. Um, and my husband now is on the committee of the golf club. So there's still a Benham involved. <laughs> that's that's still great. There. That, <laughs> yeah, well, if he looks up at the... Uh, the president's board with Frank's name on it. If he looks in the same year as the club captain, he'll see that my name's up there. There you go. McKay's a name that you do see around Robin Bale a lot, though. So, uh, so how, how you how you feeling your days, Tony? Uh, um, I still work about uh, I don't know ten hours a day, I guess. Um, there or thereabouts. I still because I, I do some business with the, in continental Europe and also with buyers from the US. My day sort of starts four or five hours working, then I have a couple of hours off, um, and then I start again about four o'clock and work through till about nine, um, just because that's when it's easiest to communicate with people. Yeah. International communication. And of course, I have contacts like you have, because you had Brucey Ruddick on here a few weeks ago, um, who, I'm, who I'm very good friends with. So. so are you and Bruce of the same, I'll say, vintage? He's a year younger than me. Right. Because when you ask around about different people, people be like, yeah, I know the name, but I don't know the person. Bruce's, Bruce Ruddick's, I don't know when he left Muldura. I know he left Robinvale before I did, So because he, he worked in Muldura for a long time, of course. And you've been in the UK for 30 years, you said. Yeah. In fact, next year is going to be a precipice for me. Next year I'll have wor- lived and worked in the UK longer than I've lived and worked in Australia. So that yeah. tells you how old I am. So. <laughs> And what was the reason for starters? To, is it, was um, it work or was Listen, partner? I left and just travelled. I, I travelled around Europe for two years um, with some friends. Um, I worked in the UK, probably a bit like um, you did, Jade. Came back and worked at sort of in the winter season and went off travelling and did that for two years. And then I was offered a project to work on for four or five years, which I did. Got to the end of that and all of a sudden I thought to myself, all right, okay, you know, where do I go home to? I'm not going to go home and live in Robinvale. Don't know that many people in Melbourne or Sydney. So I ended up staying in London and hadn't planned to stay here. Ended up getting married, had children, um, and sort of now, uh, you know, I'm truly, this is my home until I die, I expect. 
um, because that's just the way it is, you know, it's where you are. I, fortunately, I get home once a year. You know, I still, I still travel back to Romvale. I still regard it as home. Um, and I still, you know, with, with things like this or any other type of social media, it's very easy to communicate with people nowadays. I think coronavirus is, has been a, a terrible, terrible thing. But what's become um, known is that social media is such a good thing in these times. You know, I was, I had a, um, a FaceTime call with my nephew in um, Point Cook this morning with him, his, his wife and two boys. So you can keep in contact communication with a lot of people using whatever medium now yeah and it's cheap you know it's, it's cost of your yeah. wi-fi right yeah and it doesn't chew up that much if you've got unlimited so it's good yeah exactly so you say you say your parents are both passed away my, or no my, my mother lives in Mildura. um my father passed away uh in uh 2011 um so eight years ago um yeah so that there's my mum still lives in Mildura. She did spend a bit of time just living outside Geelong near my sister, um, but moved back to Mildura about three weeks ago. Oh, so nice. she lives back there. So she now see because there's a lot of Romvale people now, retired Romvale people now live in Mildura, um, and she see most. Of, she sees a lot of them. Okay, um, yeah. She doesn't. She, she doesn't get back to to Romvale much. You know, she's of a generation where her generation you know, don't live there anymore, um, and. You know, but she still likes it up there. Yeah, independent still. Yeah, independent. Yeah, she's eighty in August, so she's still oh, okay. Good. Did she move to rather than being coming back to Robinvale? Did she go to Mildura because of the healthcare or the services? No, no, not a, not not a, not at all. They lived. Mum and Dad lived in Mildura when Dad was alive. Mum moved down to live near hers, my sister Lynn, um, and be closer to her grandkids. I'd already left, so it wasn't because I lived near down there and then she just decided actually when she'd moved down there most of her friends were still in Mildura so she moved back so you know it's fair enough you know your older life you know and especially no disrespect but you know I've got a 21 year old boy or 22 year old boy um and he and I hardly see him you don't really want your parents hanging around that much um, and and okay. I guess mum just decided that Actually, I better go back and live with the people she knows, or be close to the people she knows. I feel like she actually she actually lives next door to uh, an ex Romvale footballer, Gavin Ridley, in Mildura yeah. now. There you go. Yeah. There you go. There are a lot There's of a lot retirees of that Rombardi go Mildura in north to Mildura. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm actually in Mildura at the moment. Are you? Yeah. So what I'm a paramedic, and I work. Uh, my my branch is Mildura, so. Okay. Oh, I spend a bit of time up here. We probably didn't appreciate it as much as we should have when we were kids because there was always this, well, there was all this, this Rombard Mildura hang-up. You know, when I was a kid, it was the Rombard Houston hang-up, but, you know, uh, <laughs> changes over time. It's quite strange, isn't it? When you move away, especially if you move to a city like London, the concept of driving to work from Rombard to Mildura just wouldn't exist. But, you know, if I think, if I go up to London, it takes me an hour to get up there. And you mm. think to yourself, you know, would I ever have done that when I was young? Drove to Mildura to work? Never, would you? Wouldn't even think about it. But, well, I did it. I did it for three years. Uh, right. Drove up and drove up and down, and uh, it, it started. Well, it just got too much. It's it is really annoying. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yet, if you were living in a city and you jumped on a train every day, you wouldn't even think about it, would you? No, that's it. I used to commute from Janjuk to Melbourne every day and didn't even think about it. Yeah. Every day. Exactly. Yeah. Every, exactly. 
Exactly. Granted, I wasn't driving past 75 kangaroos on the way to and from. Um, <laughs> no, there, there is that. There is yeah. that. Yeah, it's certainly a consideration. Um, For a long period of time when I first come over here, my mum my mum used to send me the Sentinel every week. So, oh, nice. You can get it online now. You know, do you yeah. know that? Yeah, I, I did hear that, but I haven't looked at it yet, but I, I will do that because it's quite handy to just know what's going on in the community, to be fair. Yeah. It's very handy. Very, very handy. Yeah. Because a girl I used to work with in Romvale, I think she 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 used to, she works at the Sentinel, Mary Violi, I think. Oh yeah, well, Mary she Zapier. Did. She would have been Mary, Mary Zapier then. She Mary Zapier. Yeah, she was Fred's sister. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And now she's at Auto Pro. She's not the Sentinel anymore. She's at works at Auto Pro. Because oh, right. I worked with her, and Fred worked with me at Hancock Woodland Holic too, long oh, time yeah. ago. He's uh, his son Michael is an accountant now. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of people from Robinvale. Um, work with it you know that i sort of keep in contact with mary violi keeps in contact with me quite a bit narelle um was narelle harvinson now narelle mcclure bev bev harvinson of course so i know most of them i work with them all so you're well up to date with what's going on then (laughs) possibly i just i i keep contact with a lot of people just just because i like to know what's happening with their families and all that sort of so so you would have some stories from the old days. Give us a story. <laughs> what about the McKay family? Or oh. we had—I don't know whether you know—we had a, we had a big we had a very big family. You know, my father was at, uh, one of eleven, although a number of them passed away. And I always remember my my grandfather used to drive. He lived on the first block past the um, State Rivers uh, water pipes, just past the cemetery. This was the first block, and I'll never forget the first time that he um he had a car that was um, which had uh, power steering. Um, and he used to get to the top of the, to the top of Cemetery Hill and, and turn his car off to save a bit of petrol going down that hill. And he bought this new car. can't remember what it was. It was a Japanese car of some sort. It might have been a Mazda or something like that. Decided he'd turn off the engine the first day he had it. Um, and then so he switches the engine off, of course. That turns off the power steering. And he's driving yeah. down the road. And then he's about trying to turn the car into his driveway. You know, brand new car, turned his dry car into a driveway with the power steering off and drove straight into the bushes at the Mesa testers opposite, opposite uh. his block. <laughs> Ended up in a brand new car. <laughs> Romvale was a great town when I grew up as a kid. You know, we had, we had so much, and I know the community has changed um, a, lot, a lot since then, but we had, we had so much fun and so much, you know, the, the river was fantastic and there was so many things to do. Sport, but you had, you had to play a lot of sport, hence we got into... You know, golf and everyone in the town played tennis or football or cricket or basketball. Um, you know, I had a lot to do with the basketball community and, because sport was the big thing in the town. I guess it is today to a certain extent still, but of course, social media has changed the way about what people do. And, and nowadays, is they tend to spend a lot of time on the computer rather than going and kicking a ball or, you know, playing tennis, which is quite sad, if I'm honest. Um, but it was a the lovely town. Uh... The Basketball Association is going uh, gangbusters at the moment. It's probably one of the largest um, uh, membership base with, with playing members. Yeah. So that goes yeah. from uh, probably, uh, what are they, under 12s and the, the, what are the juniors called? They do this under nines. kind of Saturday thing. Sorry? There's under nines. There's hot shots and then under nines. Hot shots under nines. Yeah, and, and that oh, goes all the way to seniors. Yeah. And yeah. It's, well, it's over 400 uh, members, I think, at the moment. 450. Wow. That's, yeah. yeah. Wow. Because I was involved, with the I was involved with the basketball association. And I don't know whether you've noticed on Facebook, Cedric noted tends to put up a lot of photos um, of 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 the basketball 
history of events and that sort of thing. I don't even remember him having a camera at most of these events, to be fair. <laughs> but, but the basketball was always a, ve a very strong and prevalent sport in, the, the, in, in, in Robbenvale. Um, and, and we loved it all, of course. So, yeah, so, you know, basketball, you know, cricket, I mean, sport was really big. I noticed that the Cricket um, Association had a, had a back tour, a reunion a couple of days ago, a week before last, um, which must yeah. have been good for the township. Yeah. But um, uh, I think the cricket and the tennis are probably the two clubs that are, are suffering the most. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't think there's the same demographic as what there right. used to be. And the same... Yeah. The same people that would would play tennis and would play cricket. Yeah, of course, golf suffered that um, um, for a, for a period of time too, and, and still does. Because when I played junior golf, my aunt Dot Dot Funberger was, and and the lady by the name Betty Bailey used to dro drive people, you know, to play golf and kids play golf. And there was a big kids community playing golf when I was sort of ten, eleven, twelve, which grew up that the club became big because it had older, it had older members once once yeah. we all grew up. Um, sadly, I think that, you know, if, you, if you lose that, and Frank, to be fair, Frank Bannum was involved with that. I can remember going away with Frank and his wife Lola to play golf in Melbourne uh, and spend time with them down there. And I think if you leave, lose those people who have got kids that are playing the sport and then they, they're not involved, they don't become involved with it, then it sort of loses it a bit because you need younger ones coming through. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's and happened with, with tennis. Yeah. Uh, that's what happened with the tennis club. Uh, yeah. They weren't getting the adults through with the young families, really. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's what you need to keep things going. Mm. And I think there's, there's just so much on at the moment. And uh. tennis is just one of those things that suffered. Like, you know, you can't do everything. And I think yeah. tennis is one of those things that's, that suffered in the, in the whole thing. It's unfortunate, really, because the Friday night tennis competition, they just do a Friday night social tennis now with a feed afterwards and and coaching for the kids, but it's actually a really good way to spend your Friday night in the middle of summer. And they get decent numbers there, but nothing like, you know, Saturday tennis used to be. And, it, and I think Saturday yeah. tennis has suffered like that in a lot of small communities anyway. They, tennis clubs seem to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller, which is really unfortunate. But the Easter tournament still carries on. I don't think it's on this weekend. Is it, Charlie? No, they had to, no, they had to cancel it mm. purely yeah. because of the whole coronavirus thing. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it would have been... And most of our sporting sports have um, cancelled. I'm chairman of the local football club here, soccer, um, and and we've got our season's been cancelled. And there is talk of us being able to play again in the first weeks of July, but I suspect that won't happen. Well, the EPL better start soon because Liverpool have to win this year. <laughs> are you okay, Liverpool, you're not a Liverpool Charlie? supporter, Charlie? Are you? Oh, yeah, I'm a Liverpool supporter. Uh, I'm Tottenham Hotspur supporter, so I'm. I'm hoping that they just abolish the season. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll qualify for the Champions League. Liverpool won't win the title. So. Well, surely they'll have to give it to them if they cancel the season, you'd think. You play, we played most of it. Yeah, yeah, but they haven't played enough to say that they couldn't be overtaken yet. I think we don't have much time left, do we? No, don't? we don't have much time left. All right. Um, so it's been a really interesting chat. Thanks for reaching out and uh, shooting us an email. No problems. No oh, problems. We might have, to get, might have to get Sam on here too. You get that Sammy Compagna on, you know. He's um, yeah. So he's can't remember the name of the town, and even if I could remember, it, I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. But he's um, <laughs> he's uh, he's in Poland, but he's uh, as you say, he's, he he didn't live very far from you, Charlie. Yeah? No, he's around the corner. Yeah, exactly. All right, no worries. Thanks. Uh, thanks for your time.
Yeah, thanks for you. Thanks, Jay. Nice to meet you, Jay. Take care, all of you. Yeah? I give my best to everyone in Rumba, yeah? Yeah, take care. Certainly will Bye. do. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> Cheers. Now is not the time to be putting pressure on yourself. Not about anything. Not about homeschooling the kids, or having a strict routine, or cooking dinner, or anything really. We all need to go a bit easy on ourselves and each other. The Jack can help with a little bit of that. Al and Dean are still cooking every weeknight just to take a bit of the pressure off. And because you still have to eat. Grab the new menu from the website, robinvalebridgemotel.com.au. But be aware that the menu is subject to change at any given moment. Take the pressure off with a zero-touch takeaway order from the Jack Bar and Bistro. Find them on Facebook, Instagram or at robinvalebridgemotel.com.au. So... What do we want to know about coronavirus, COVID-19, Robin Vale community? I think the, f- the first thing we need to talk about, Leanne, is travelling over Easter and the don't do it. Yes, Jade. Um, my most important message to everyone is please do not travel away, whether it's Melbourne, Sydney, anywhere, please do not travel away over the Easter period and do not have visitors. For us, this is a very, very dangerous time. Uh, This, if we were to have people, you know, rightly having a few days off over Easter, they've been working hard, my fear is that they may take the opportunity to travel elsewhere and um, potentially become infected and then return to our community. That would be devastating for our community. Uh, so I would ask everybody to consider staying at home like the rules have already been clearly stated. Um, to further put the message out there, I would Um, appeal to bosses, growers, farmers, contractors to nominate somebody for the different um, ethnic groups that is bilingual and that can um, provide that information in their given language, just how important it is not to travel away. I appreciate that they may have a couple of days off and they've been working hard. Um, we all appreciate that the, there's crops to be um, you know, attended to, uh, but if they do have some days off, it's a very dangerous period. Post-Easter, I'm fearful of six to 14 days post-Easter that we might start to see some um, unwelcome action in Robinvale and surrounds. Yeah, my concern is also that um, kindergartens, preschools have said and um, some schools have said that they will be open again from next Wednesday. Now, I'm in two minds because I've got a child at, at preschool and after having spoken to you yesterday about the period, that six to 14-day period post-Easter, could be very dangerous if people don't adhere to the rules and stay home over Easter, then sending them back to preschool or school could be actually dangerous for for our family, considering that there's vulnerable members in our family as well. So what's your advice? Do we send them back to school or preschool next week if we can avoid it? 
Because I'm not going to lie, I'm not hating being at home. The idea, the idea that I, I think that the government's um, trying to do is that they are going to assume people like yourself can keep your children home. So if you're in a position to be able to keep your children at home uh, for, it might not be for the whole term, but certainly initially, I would suggest that's a good idea if you're in a position to do that. They, I think they are working on the premise that uh, schools will be half full or whatever percentage, I'm not sure. Uh, they're going to be easier to manage and they can um, practice, you know, good um, social distancing and stuff if they have less children in the building. And so I think they're relying on people that can keep their children home that they will continue to do that. Now, this is not forever, but certainly um, you know, I would give it serious consideration. I, I don't think schools are dangerous places to be. Uh, children are proving not to be the biggest spreaders of this germ of this virus. Um, we do associate preschools and schools with some, um, you know, little germy kids sharing all their joy. Uh, but for some reason, this virus is not as easily spread by children. The last um, stats that I looked at, the age group is the 20 to 29 year olds are the biggest spreaders of this disease. Now, that might be because they are invincible, I'm not sure, but certainly um, those kids that are going to school, uh, the restrictions would include if your child had a compromised um, immune system or a health issue that was a concern, so that's a you know, reason that you might keep them out. Um, the child, you know, if mum has to go to work or in an essential service, for example, they want that opportunity for them to be able to go to work and the child go to school. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's not a flawed system. It's not perfect, but either are our circumstances. What have the preschools uh, said to you, Jade? Have they uh, sent anything out or any communication? Yeah, they have. They sent out an email yesterday. So the state and federal governments are actually subsidising term two of preschools because it is um, it is quite an expensive thing to send your kid to four-year-old preschool and even three-year-old preschool. It's quite expensive. So they are subsidising it. Term two will be free. I'm not sure families that have paid up front, um, which was my, why I emailed them in the first place, uh, families that have paid up front um, may get a refund when the funding comes through. But they have said that next week, uh, commencing on Wednesday, that preschool will be back to normal if we choose to attend. They didn't say, um, please come. They didn't say, stay at home if you can. They said it will be open. Um, Tuesday will be a student-free day to put all the hygiene precautions in place, but um, they will be open from Wednesday. But I'm thinking, because Peyton's asthmatic, I'm just, and I don't need to be, I can work from home. It's actually working okay now. So I don't really need him, except for except for when I'm doing a podcast and he pokes his head in. <laughs> I, I think I, I'd be more comfortable for the two weeks post Christmas, at least, if not the three weeks post Christmas, because I'm not an essential service, that I just stay at home. 
try Easter, not Christmas. We haven't reached that yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Easter, <laughs> Christmas. It's all about the baby Jesus. Oh, well, <laughs> the Jesus and author of his life. I, I Adult one. Yeah. I, that, <laughs> I think from my point of view, because I don't have to be I don't have to be out. I can work from home. Then I might just keep him home for another couple of weeks. Easy. I think the other thing we need to talk about is the household situation, Leanne. I was just writing households. Um, Yes. People have to understand what constitutes your household, okay? Now, the issue of overcrowding has come up several times. It is what it is. We have to deal with what is in front of us. Whilst overcrowding is not ideal, as far as coronavirus goes, it doesn't have a big impact if people stay within their household. Now, to clarify that, if there's 10 people in your household or there's 20 people in your household and they are the ones that are regularly there, no one comes in to visit, these people don't go to visit anyone else, then that is your household and as long as you don't travel, you don't mix um, outside where you are going to be potentially infected, then that is your household. Now, some people's household is two people or it might be one per- one person and one dog. That is your household. Okay, so I need people to understand that um, as far as coronavirus goes, it- Keeping to your household is the goal. Of course, when you're in that hot household, we would like you to practice good hygiene and cleaning services and things like that. Yes, that's a given. But overcrowding, it's here. It can't be changed overnight. Um, you know, hopefully no more new workers are coming to the area. I'm not sure where that's at for everybody. Uh, but... Certainly, this is not the time to introduce new people to your household. That's it, and that doesn't—that's not just growers. That's that's share houses, people that might be living together. I mean, I'm sure RDHS have share houses where staff are living together, but that's a household unit. That's right, and um, as uh, a health service, we actually have um, given you know, lots of advice and tips to our staff. Um, whilst they might wear their clean uniform to work, uh, before they leave work, they change into their casual clothes and their work clothes go into a plastic bag when they get home. Uh, some people leave their shoes at work even, uh, but if they you know, wear them home, they're left in a container at the back door or whatever and they go inside and head straight to the shower. Um, they have their shower, then they backtrack and they wipe the things that they've touched in getting into the house. So whether that's the light switch, the doorknob, um, you know, that type of thing. So we're trying to make them feel as comfortable as they can in their own house that they could be sharing with family or other workers and, you know, give them some peace of mind. Their plastic bag of clothes goes in the wash. So it's a straightaway wash. And these uh, are making people feel more comfortable, these sorts of tips, and, um, you know, not considering that they're taking home uh, germs from the hospital. Are you doing the same thing, Charlie? Uh, yeah. So, well, a lot of people at work are doing the same thing, they're, especially the ones with kids and who have a lot of other people they live with. Um, they're just taking their clothes 
and leaving them at work and as well as their boots and just go home in uh, casual clothes. I normally just in the garage, take everything off and then uh, leave it there kind of thing. So Harley doesn't get infected? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Harley. That's fair enough too. Leanne, the other thing we need to talk about with regard to Easter, I guess, is not only are we worried about people travelling away to Melbourne, Sydney, Bendy, wherever it might be, and then coming back, but people congregating together here, mixing households. I'm calling it cross-contamination. The rules are plain. The rules are there. Stop looking for loopholes, people. The rules are the rules. Um, I would suggest that um, most people are aware of that and I would suggest that um, people are perhaps calling the one triple four, which is the non-emergency ambulance number, to Dobbs. Um, you know, having a congregation, having a get-together that is beyond um, their normal household and... Um, People can do that at risk and the risk is hefty fines. So, yeah, don't want to be a party pooper, but I am. Um, there is no gatherings. Hey, Leanne, can you uh, tell us about, um, uh, I don't know, you know how they talk about you can visit someone if it's for compassionate reasons? What's happening at the hospital with that? Okay. Oh, and aged care facilities. Yeah. Um, RDHS across our three sites uh, are in lockdown, which means the doors are locked. You cannot come in unless you have a valid reason. Um, we have spoken to all the families and carers of our residents. We have 40-plus residents that were um, charged with um, their welfare, their care and their welfare. We decided quite some time ago we decided the best way we could guarantee that was to go into lockdown. Um, compassionate visits, of course, can be arranged, but you will ring uh, beforehand and we will arrange a side gate um, outdoor area, hopefully the weather's nice, um, that you can come and visit. Um, again, a social distancing, no touching um, for palliative Reasons, palliative cases, um, we have allowed visits uh, for that reason. And, but yeah, they're, they're controlled visits. And, you know, we, we are mindful that if this is someone's last days, uh, of course, if that person was um, dying from COVID, from coronavirus, then the uh, rules would be much stricter again. But these are palliative for other reasons. And I noticed uh, yesterday you got a little box out the front. Can you tell us about that? Yes, um, I really, and we haven't had a lot of uptake, guys. So please, any, I'm sure your children are all doing artwork because they've had lots of time to be budding artists. Uh, so either use something that they've already created or. Um, to draw us a picture, write a letter, do a colour, a collage with you know cut up newspaper. Um, they could send a photo of themselves and write a story about themselves. Because at each of our aged care um, sites, we're going to decorate a wall with this artwork, and there will be a winner and a prize. So that usually excites people. Oh, wants to do something? Yeah, go for it, Charlie. <laughs> The man-child is back. 
the residents will pick a winner and they'll decide. Um, but we want to just brighten their day because, you know, they have seen, um, they have missed having all their visitors and visits from little children. Um, usually uh, that's a real highlight for our elders. So we need um, some artwork. Now, you can drop it off. There is boxes at each site um, and we would hold that in quarantine for, uh, you know, five days or something to make sure that no viruses are on the artwork. Or you can um, take a photo, email it to us, you know, check our Facebook page and it will tell you uh, how you can get it to us. But, yeah, you can just take a photo of it and send it in. Make sure we know uh, what the child's name is and how old they are and um, we, we want to make a display for um, our olds to show that, you know, people are thinking of them. They're managing very well but, yeah, they do miss visits from the, the little people. They love visits from little people in, under normal circumstances. So we thought this would be a good way. It's a great way, and I have had um, Peyton busily colouring in, um, and he knows why that he's he's going to take it up to to RDHS to be stuck on the wall. So so that's great. It's just a matter of getting into town to pop it in the box. Speaking of which, Leanne, did you get your forty two k merchandise that you ordered last week? I did. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, a t shirt for my son in law and a cap, uh, coffee cup for my son. But I have to put it in mail to him. He's in Melbourne. Excellent. But while we're while we were talking about compassionate reasons and palliative care and that kind of stuff, I do have to send a shout out to Marianne Fatia, whose dad passed away last week, and he was um, our neighbour growing up. Um, but it has caused a lot of heartache, um, you know, because there's only ten people allowed to go to a funeral and in a large family like Marianne's, where there's seven or eight kids then none of the partners can go along, which is really sad and it's really tough, but these are the rules and there's no point looking for loopholes, especially when, you know, Marianne's mum is older as well and, and things like that. So it's just a case of, I suppose, trying to get through this and then thinking about what can be done to, to celebrate their life when all this is over. And it will be over. That's right, and I agree with that, Jade. Um, it is sad times. Um, and definitely, you know, I've known of several funerals that have um, gone ahead under circumstances that nobody uh, actually likes, but you have to put a positive spin on it and, um, you know, you've got lots of time between now and when you are able to plan a family get-together to celebrate the life of your, you know, the, the loved one that's passed away. And, you know, you've got an opportunity to make that really special because you'll have time to, um, you know, everyone can contribute and work out when you can get together. And it's going to be down the track, but, you know, I, I think people appreciate why the rules are there and, um, you know, to, to make sure that they have a focus on what they can do down the track. Yeah, rather than focus on, on what can't be done, but I do... Um... I've sent Marianne a bunch of flowers and stuff, but I do want to send her my condolences again and to the rest of the kids because, you know, there were Marianne's got brothers and sisters all over the place, so condolences for them. It is a really tough time. Um, Absolutely, and it is. And, yeah, I, I share that sympathy as well. It is a sad time and it's, um, you know, it can be difficult. 
but we're, we are in uncharted waters here, so, you know, we just have to roll with it. I like the term uncharted waters rather than unprecedented times. I'm really getting sick of the term. We're living in unprecedented <laughs> times. I really am. So uncharted waters, let's roll with that. Hey, uh, Leanne. Um, also, too, what is good that's happening in RDHS is uh, the telehealth. You could probably say more than what I can. Okay, we have um, we've been practicing telehealth for quite a while now, but with um, uh, the introduction of coronavirus, we're in wonderful you know, leaps and bounds. Uh, speech therapy is happening with kids, uh, and that's working very well. And the parents are actually really appreciating the fact that. They can participate, you know, it's still working for them. There are some things that uh, have to be face-to-face, but there's quite a few things that are happening as well as the doctors. Um, So, yeah, telehealth has taken a big leap forward in a lot of the disciplines across a lot of um, medicine as a whole. Uh, And the doctors, Sue, do you want to tell us about those, those guys? Yes, um, Dr Neeland has been doing telehealth as well. So she's doing, been doing a little bit of mixed, um, uh, mix of face-to-face and telehealth. And Royal Flying Doctors, who um, fortunate for Robin Vale and Surrounds, uh, fell into our laps uh, quite a few months ago. We've been working on you know, getting them on board to um, visit Robin Vale and help us. Uh, we have a long, long relationship with um, Royal Flying Doctors. They've been an excellent supporter of ours over many years. And, you know, one thing leads to another and you chat to the right people and you create uh, relationships and, like, just like magic, they say, well, okay, then, how about we give you some GP support? And so we found and we, <laughs> we're, we're ever so thankful. Uh, they do run their own business. It's not... Robinvale District Health Services business. It's Royal Flying Doctors. However, they are at the moment in our primary care sector, so they're using rooms there. But they also do telehealth, so they don't turn up all the time. Uh, but we offer all the support we can can because they've been um, a great asset, and we can't appreciate them more. If I was um, to suggest anyone donate to anyone, it's Royal Flying. They do more than outback work. Um, they're renowned for their fly-in, fly-out outback work, but they do so much more. They're just um, a marvellous organisation. Um, and just recently they've expanded that doctor support via telehealth to our Menangatang community. So that's been a great, um, a really great asset as well. We really appreciate that because, you know, you can't get much more isolated than the Nangatang and in these times yeah. to stay home, um, you know, you just might need your script renewed and it becomes a, a big uh, a big task. So, yeah. So, Leanne, um, for people that haven't heard of telehealth or how it works, how do I, if I want to see it, a doctor or a speechy, how do I get on to them? Okay, so Robinvale District Health Services Primary Care. Anita is the manager and you've met Anita before on your podcast. Uh, Anita is, has also been a great pickup for, for RDHS. She's just excellent. Uh, and Anita's team over there, the reception girls on 50 
518-160 is the number you call for primary care um, appointments, any of the clinicians, anything you need to know through them and also the Royal Flying Doctor doctor appointment. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, so simple as that and um, we're doing the best we can and it's actually, you know, our staff have been amazing. Uh, they're all, um, you know, picked up the pace. They're all, the preparation for coronavirus is just enormous. Um, you know, every everything we do, every policy, every thought process, we've had to rethink and make it work for us and uh, the staff have just been marvellous. Is your, is, I didn't check the other day, but is uh, your admin staff working from home or are they still uh, in the office? Most people are still in the office. Um, we're trying to just sort of work it out like for us, to uh, the senior team, and we might try to work at home one day a week. So, you know, like I, I can't really not be here, but yeah, I, yes. be at home, but, um, you know, just on the phone or something. So we're doing yeah. a little bit of that. And uh, those that have jobs that aren't uh, needed on the ground, yeah, we've, we're working it through that slowly of what, who needs to be where? Sounds like you've got it well and truly under control, Leanne. Oh. I feel like, um, Jade, that we've been a step ahead. Um, you know, we sort of went into lockdown just before everyone else. We've really tried to keep the pace because uh, I'm sure you can appreciate with our uh, demographic, if we lose control of this, it can go horribly wrong. So protecting our 40-plus residents was, you know, foremost in our um, thoughts and, you know, what we could do. Um, you know, we're not just in lockdown. If we do let you in, we take your temperature. Or, you know, I hear on the news that that's what they're doing at most places now. Well, we've been doing that for a couple of weeks now. Um, what is, what's your criteria at the moment for COVID? Like, what's your uh, medical criteria? Uh, just what the Department of Health, uh, Health and Human Services dictates. Okay. Yeah. Healthcare workers um, can have a respiratory issue. Um, or contact. Uh, it's still like Aboriginals um, fit the criteria, emergency service workers and healthcare workers, still for other people. Um, the at the moment, it's still if you've had contact or you know, with a known COVID or travelled overseas or have a, you know, there has to be some sort of connection. Um, yeah. Robinvale doesn't have a fever clinic as such. The, uh, we have a pandemic plan and we go through stages uh, or phases, whatever way you like to look at it, and we're in targeted action at the moment, which means, you know, we are doing targeted things like taking the temperatures, locking down. Um, we haven't set up a fever clinic because I think at this stage... Um, a, they're available, Swan Hill and Mildura. We can still test here, but you must fit the criteria. Setting up a fever clinic suggests that, you know, anyone can roll up and you'll be tested. So you, we would be um, using a lot of resources for um, perhaps not much outcome because there's not yet been a positive in our town. So that, that's an evolving thing. Things will change. And then we will change how we, um, what we do next. I mean, but also, 
the fever clinics in Mildura, and I don't know about Swan Swan Hill, they're also, I think they're federally funded too. So they've got money to do that extra. Yeah, that's right. And you actually, sort of, to be an actual fever clinic, you do have to register it. We can still test, but, um, you know, we don't uh, set up as a fever clinic. And that may change, as I've said, as the, um, as the virus evolves and, and, and depending on our exposure and that type of thing. But at the moment, I can't do uh, testing for peace of mind. I think a lot of people have that wish that, you know, well, can I just be tested and then I can, you know, you can test negative and then I feel better. Uh, that also is dangerous in itself because people then have a false sense of security and they think they're invincible. So yeah. you know, things are measured and um, monitored. I think Australia's approach certainly, perhaps the cruise ship was our biggest, um, but, you know, otherwise we're, we're doing too badly, but we can't become complacent. Alien, hey, but do you have any last words? Last words. Um, I have had people say, um, you know, can you put more posters up in different languages? Whilst I appreciate that and we have attempted to do that, we're flooding Facebook with lots of things, but space is limited and um, to my knowledge there's 40-plus different language languages in Robinvale. Um, so, you know, you can't have 40 plus signs stuck everywhere because people don't see anything. Um, so we do the best we can. Um, what I can say is if people have, um, um, oops, can't find it now. I can offer um, posters like this for uh, giving them to our vulnerable people like um, the district nurse, visiting nurse service patients. Uh, I gave some to the chemist to give... You gave me one yesterday? Gave one to Charlie yesterday for his elderly parents. Uh, you know, stop. I mean, you can make your own signs as well, people. Visitors, this home, there is a person who is vulnerable to getting sick. Therefore, this household is in lockdown and we cannot accept any visitors. We appreciate you thinking of us and will happily take phone calls. Uh, see you later. Thanks, Leanne. Leanne was very informative. Leanne's always very informative. I don't know if you noticed. I don't know if you noticed. I got hot, then cold, then hot. When yeah, because I was wearing a jumper before. Oh, I hope you don't <laughs> notice that I wasn't taking any notice. <laughs> no, you know how when we had Leanne on, I was wearing the jumper. So. Yep. Okay. I'm more. I'm still more distracted by the um the drink that you that you've come I'm up with I just oh you're out I'm out too and the bottle's empty and I really don't it's such a good wine I don't want to go and open the second one just yet because I've only got two um there's also yeah. a GSM you're not into wine are you no. wait until you have a like a have it with a nice meal that's true I might go and open one of the other ones there's a nice Shiraz in there that I might open wait for Easter and have it with some dark chocolate even better I don't like dark chocolate oh. no I do like gourmet chocolate and I do agree that red wine and chocolate go very, very well together. Very, very well. But it has to be good chocolate. Right. Very good. I, I will call it artisan chocolate goes very well with red Actually, wine. Actually, uh, apparently Mark at Bargain Basements has uh, got some high compound uh, cocoa chocolate. <laughs> Just go in and ask him about the composition of his chocolate. 
and see what he says. <laughs> <laughs> He's all over it. He's all over it. <laughs> Is that a thing? The composition yeah. chocolate, really? Yeah, just go in and ask him about it. And uh, he'll, he'll give you a rundown. <laughs> in fact, anyone who's listening to this podcast, go in. Please. Ask Mark about his chocolate. Yeah. Please go and ask Mark about the composition of his chocolate. I can yeah. imagine how that would go. Like, make sure, you yeah. ha- make sure you're not in a hurry. <laughs> that would be, be my good. suggestion. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right, Charles. So, yeah. Easter, not eventful for anybody, I would hope, except that I'm making Sipolis. Mum's making Sipolis. I'm sure there'll be a lot uh, of Sipoli making. Yeah. I can probably do the rounds and just pick a bit up from everywhere. You probably could. I'll leave some out the front for you if you like. You could do a comparison. Yeah. Take photos yeah. of them and compare, it, compare them all. Yeah, compare and contrast. Yeah, yeah that's right. My nonna never used to make anything like that. She was a terrible cook. Terrible. Yeah. I don't want to start anything, but um, Auntie Betty, who's you know, Rose's mum, mm. uh, probably makes the best ones. Really? I would say, yeah. I'm going to go so far as to say that Marianne Fatia's mum, Teresa, Makes the best ones. Do you know? She's, she was my next door neighbour growing up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah they're no. in Warrenine. But she still makes the best ones. Do you like them with the anchovies in or no? No. Not a fan oh. of anchovies. Do oh. yourself a favour. You know the, you get the hard chocolates, like the little Easter eggs? Yes. I was going to say hard chocolate as opposed to a chocolate fountain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Pop one of those, uh, like put them in the freezer so they get really hard. Mm. Pop one of those in the dough. And cook one of those and do yourself a favour. You'll love it. Shut so up. In the middle of a, yeah, in the middle of a Tiffley. <gasps> bit of the, like a hard one. Hard boiled. Well, hard boiled. Hard, hard boiled. Frozen. They're not eggs, Charlie. No, no. They're hard frozen. Eggs. Hard frozen. Like as in frozen so it doesn't melt, melt. And uh, uh, it's really good. Oh, I have never thought of that before. I struggle to put the anchovies in because Luke does like them with the anchovies. Now, if people don't know what a Zippoli is, Google it. They're Italian donuts and yeah. they are delicious. And depending on which region you come from, like the people in the north roll them in sugar and have like honey yeah, on make them a sweet stuff. One. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't like them. I like the good, dirty southern ones. Yeah. And also try the mini Mars bars as well. Stick one of those in there. A, a mini Mars bar. Yep. Here's a story. And we're talking about frying chocolate. So I used to work at McDonald's. You've got less than a minute. I know, You've I've got, got less than a minute. Here's a story. I used to work at McDonald's in Swan Hill when it very first opened. And after dark, we used to throw the cheeseburger buns into the fry vat and then pull them out and put the chocolate sundae sauce into the middle of them. Stick your finger in there, put the chocolate sundae sauce and the strawberry sauce. Jam donut. Delicious. I'll leave you with that for Easter. Oh. Charlie, thank you very much. Go and make yourself some more espresso. Yeah, happy Easter. I'm going to go yeah. make myself uh, open another bottle of wine. Happy Easter. Yeah, hope the Easter bunny finds you. Thanks for listening to The Vale Podcast. Subscribe at thevalepodcast.com.au. 